1: important question of your day hey is this being emo
0: Uh, Hey everybody, Um, welcome to the panel. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'm Tom Mullen. Uh, I run Washed Up Emo. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that uh, site. Um, It's a podcast, DJ night website um, about the late 90s. Um, It started in the mid 2000s when I was upset with everyone um, discussing um, hair dye instead of Christy Front Drive. Um, And um, I've also advised Beats and Pandora on Emo. And I work at a major label um, working with dead people. Um, (laughs) He's not lying Bob Bob Dylan's not dead Most are dead Um, (laughs) So this is my fun thing to do Um, And we have a great panel Panelists today um, Hopefully discuss the emo revival Talk about its history Talk about what it is now Hopefully what it is in the future Um, We have some old people (laughs) <laughs> we have some young people um, And I want you guys involved too So if you have a question, uh, raise your hand and ask It is like a hardcore show So if you do heckle, you will not get the mic during a chorus yep. <laughs> um, that, is, that is exactly what's going to happen uh, So no heckling um, So first I want to introduce uh, Brian Packers He's a good friend uh, He works at the Syndicate Hey. Wow, hey, Brian. look at that wow. I didn't even get Slow a clap. Slow clap. Wow, that was good.
2: Let's hear it for Tom. Yeah. Hey, hey,
3: Tom.
0: Uh, oh, yes, uh, this is being recorded for a podcast, so every time, make it a little louder next time. <laughs> okay. um, so he works at the Syndicate. Uh, we do Emo Night in New York City together, um, and he was part of the New Brunswick, New Jersey basement scene, which was hugely influential. A lot of bands came from that. Um, and uh, he also dumped an entire pint of beer on my laptop um, and uh, he's still alive today. Let's <laughs> uh, have uh, Kevin Duquette. He co-owns Top Shelf Records out of Boston.
4: Yay!
0: A full-time endeavor since 2011. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and uh, Sean Morin is uh, label manager and radio promotion for No Sleep Records out of Huntington Beach. <laughs> West Coast in the house. And then uh, last but not least, uh, Norman Brandon, writer, educator, played guitar in a band called Texas The Reason, and is, wow, look at that, I'm even, look at that intro, and works, he works at a brand new label called Collect Records, yes. out of Brooklyn. Um, so my thought on this was to talk about uh, the revival, and my first sort of question to probably Kevin and Sean is, when you first heard, uh, or everybody the word emo revival. Um, I did a lot of extensive searching, and I found a mention in 2008, and then it really started in 2010. From um, but when did you guys sort of hear the term, and did you were you confused, um, were you excited, or did you have no idea?
4: Uh, the first time I heard it, I uh, I realized after hearing it, like two years later, because I went back. I did something similar. Uh, I reblogged a Tumblr post from, like, 2011. <laughs> and I was like, oh, emo revival. I was like, wow, people were using this phrase way back then. And uh, it was a, there was this band, My Heart to Joy, that we put out a couple records for, and they played their last show. And it was kind of talking about uh, how they were sort of a... Uh, that was their last hurrah, and they were kind of passing the torch to a bunch of other younger bands that were doing something similar. Um, and I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then, I guess... 2013 or something, I'd say like some uh, like Pitchfork write-ups kind of set that ablaze. So,
0: and then I started hearing it ad nauseum everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you were doing the label from 2011 on. Did you hear mentions of it? Was there things where were, were the bands talking about it, or was it just they were doing their own thing?
4: Like everyone was pretty excited. You could tell there was something afoot. A lot of bands vibing off each other and uh, in a pretty congested area like northeast, the Philly scene was really big for this
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, and I'd say it just kind of spread band camp, just Last FM, I was, there was Last FM groups where I was really, really involved with and just kind of, there was like an energy about it that was pretty unreal. Um, no one goes on Last FM anymore though. Uh, <laughs> John, how about you? Uh, yeah, kind of a similar thing where it just... I
1: had heard of it or seen the term around, um, and then it just... Yeah, like 2013 just sort of exploded, but it was... I don't know. I'm sure everyone here kind of had a similar thing where you were already listening to these bands and you didn't really feel like it like, needed or had any kind of name. It was just this resurgence of stuff that you loved growing up, and you were happy to see like so many bands pulling from that and like starting to really bring it back.
0: I mean, it was interesting because the 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 bands were doing it sort of organically and it felt it wasn't like a, yes, there was the internet and people were connecting quicker, but they felt it was a, it felt like a community um, to it. And Norm, I don't know if you saw any similarities to when you were coming up and there was bands and it just seemed like these guys were, I don't know, you would call them and you'd play a show together and then next weekend you would help another one out. It didn't seem. Like I mean, but I think that that's
2: true for like any strand of indie rock.
0: But we're like, talking about emo. You know. No. Like, <laughs> well, I'm just saying. <laughs> emo not, revival. Panel. It's not. And, well, that's the question
2: that I would have for like uh, Sean or Kevin is, is like, did you even consider what you were doing emo? Yeah. So, to be part
4: of this revival. Of yes. That this, like the two part phrase, those words. Yeah. Like together, I didn't even think anything of. Uh, but I was just like, yeah, this is like, you know, band XYZ from 90s or whatever. And, these bands are just like doing the same thing, and uh, but just in a different era and picking up where, you know, where they left off. Uh,
2: beyond so, that, it was like, so who do? Because I mean, when I hear like the um, like a lot of the No Sleep and Top Shelf stuff, like I think of mid midwestern stuff mostly, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like not in Kinsella, we trust. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that I guess like at some point that sort of became what people
4: emo like that sort of like descendants of that is that I'd say that, like that's probably what most people consider but it's like it's pretty broad at this point I feel like or always has been yeah
2: yeah it's just sort of amorphous I don't really like, I'm trying to figure it out still <laughs> well it's hard because I think it
1: it, it kind of like I mean the, the the term brought a lot of bands to the forefront but I don't think a lot of those bands maybe necessarily are playing like emo in a like that sense, I think it's it's they're playing rock music. Yeah, exactly. And, like and it's, it's easy to categorize. It, yeah, it's, it's easy. Well, with anything like now, it's it's like it has to be categorized and genreed for, for in order for their uh, to process. But obviously, the the community that it came from, the community that it was built in, was like a punk and hardcore community. It's the same kind of ethics, same kind of ideas, and that that sort of that sort of community allowed it to foster and grow and become what it is. And but yeah, I mean, so many of the bands, it's like, yeah, it's emo, but it's not like. Like some like you know when you the, the term is thrown around so liberally now that it's like using the term indie rock to, in in a sense it's like
2: right well that's I and mean, I think and that's sort of like what I'm feeling like because like okay so in 1998 I played with the Foo Fighters for an hour and I used the same skill set and toolkit that I used in Texas is the reason yeah like I mean. it was the same to me it wasn't that different uh, but you know nobody sees I'm Foo, Foo Fighters as like you no, know what I'm saying, like <laughs> nobody sees Foo Fighters as like uh, the vanguards of emo or something like that. But to me, it was sort of like it wasn't that different, right? There's sort of like, I think the problem is that uh, it's not a problem necessarily. But what I'm seeing is that I think it is more a community than a style of music, and but it's also like a style of music that nobody really. I'd have never heard of another style of music that nobody cops to. He's like, you know, like, I'm not fucking dubstep, man. <laughs> there is, there
1: is the sort of like dancing around the turn because, a, as Tom was mentioning earlier, like that the whole idea of like when, when it kind of turned, in a sense, and you know, you were saying people were talking about like makeup and you know that whole swoopy thing. hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the really good stuff, <laughs> the stuff that we're all super proud
0: of. No, about four years, I counted the swoop haircuts in all press. <laughs> I think you still. I do.
4: <laughs> I think that, like, that is what necessitated the term, like, attaching revival to it, because it's sort of like, no, it's not that, like, the word emo had kind of taken on a stigma about it, and saying, this is coming from the same place, but, like, something completely different, emo revival, like, s- sort yeah, of,
0: Yeah, that's how did the newer bands find it? Like, that's why I always, I always ask, you know, if it was, I see Foxing, or whoever I ask, yeah. like, how did you find out about these bands? Did you, have they... Discuss that with you guys of how they sort of gotten into records or what you know what sort of internet man, message boards and stuff. For I mean, bands. it's quicker. It's not like going to a record shop or having to see a show and get going to a distro. It's you had everything at their beck and whim. I'm a little younger than you. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, no, that's but that's what I'm saying. Like, what did the bands tell you that? Oh, I found out about this, and then I saw this. Like, what was their what was their lineage to finding it and skipping over that era? The biggest
4: thing I found is that like. These bands are like meshing and vibing off each other more so than looking super far back to the past for inspiration and uh, you know what they're writing and what they're producing in terms of just like musical output. Mm-hmm. It's more just like I don't know this unconscious one-upping of each other uh, well, in like I think, a community
5: way. I, I think you touched upon it though, like when. You were part of a Last FM community. You have all these algorithms now that can tell you this sounds like this and this is like that. And then now, quick Wikipedia search, you've got you've got the entire history right at your fingertips. I mean, you know, talking about like New Brunswick and stuff like that. It was just we were hanging out and going seeing shows in each other's basements. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know, like Benny from Gaslight Anthem, he's the drummer. Like, I saw Hot Rod Circuit and Ryan and Maria. Like in his basement, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just discovery and, and lending that way, but now you have the vehicle of the internet to actually just, it's all right there. That's it. There's there's no real discovery um, in the sense that, like, oh my god, I just randomly stumbled upon it. No, there was there's an algorithm to it now, you know? It's interesting.
4: But also, like, a band taking out another band on a tour or something like that, that's always sure. like tried and true, and it's never going to go away. Like, I got into teenage fan, or, uh, I got into, uh, trying to think, like, Algernon, Catwater, like, mm-hmm. just because, uh, some, like, friend recommendations, but, uh, you know, Teenage Cool Kids I got into because I took them out on tour, yeah. and then, you know, Last them like, uh, I went into, you know, like, their profile or whatever, and I'm finding, like, oh, like, bands like Colossal, or bands like, uh, you know, just, like, similar, like, kind of just that jangly, like, noodley, kind of
0: Midwest female style, mm-hmm. yeah. Why is everyone copying that? That's what I always wanted to know. Play some hooks. <laughs> Dude, the big riffs are coming back. Yeah. yeah they definitely no, we are. were joking. We did a DJ thing together, and he was. I wanted to play, like, straight-ahead stuff, and he was trying to find the, like, weirdest, most chaotic stuff. It was just fun going back and forth. <laughs> Two different styles within the same. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, that goes back to what you were saying, where it's, like, not about uh, music, per se, but, like, a broader community that's, like, participating within a niche right and that's sort of like
2: I mean to me that's something I really relate to because I mean hardcore after a certain point like so I grew up like punk hardcore that was like the traditional in the 80s or whatever was like you know thrash and then in the 90s kind of everybody started listening to other styles of music things changed and then it became this sort of also amorphous thing where all of a sudden hardcore didn't just mean thrash you know, Chamberlain was considered a hardcore band, you know. Lip. I mean, by a lot of people, Texas is the reason played with Madball. Like, we, you know, this was, that's who was around, and that's the scene that we came from. And it didn't matter. Like, Hoya from Madball was like, yo, I love you guys. You know, like, it was, <laughs> it was, that was, you know, to us it was like, okay, it's hardcore. Like, it didn't matter anymore. It was just about being, you know, do we share some sort of ethic or, like, ideal or aesthetic or something? Like,
5: yeah, and I feel like I haven't seen that in a while. I, I want to say um, the only recent one, and this is like, now we're talking like six or seven years ago, there was that Mastodon, Converge, uh, yeah. Cursive, and w- w- I think it was like Minus the Bear was on that bill. Like, that used to happen all the time. That used to happen, like I was, all the shows that you <coughs> would play. Like, that was the line.
0: Snap, like, keys, I, and it, dashboard. Well, I was, I was yes. actually taught, I remember,
1: <laughs> I remember being in college and I remember going to... I joined the college radio station, we met like, the older cool kids, and they were showing us around and stuff like that, and I remember going to their dorm room and seeing a flyer for a 10-yard fight converge and Saves the Day show, and yeah. I remember even back then being like, I want to be at that show, <laughs> like, I want to see that, but but th- again, that goes back to the sense of community, and just, I think, the idea, it's like, you know, all those guys are friends, you, you sort of have your foundation, whatever your gateway is into music in whatever form it becomes, be it punk or hardcore or indie or whatever. And then as you grow older, you build on that, your taste change and stuff like that. So obviously, if you're a musician and you're in a band, like as those influences kind of come into play, then stylistically, you know, the stuff you play is gonna change, but you're still gonna have your friends, you're still gonna wanna be a part of the community, you're still gonna wanna support each other. So that's why I imagine that's why stuff like that would happen, just because everybody was like, Yeah, man, your band's awesome. I don't care that like, you know, we play crazy heavy stuff and you play like quiet, twinkly stuff, like we wanna play shows together. And then it's it goes back to kind of what you were saying where it's like. You know, you, you put bands that kids may not seek out on their own in front of other people, and then it's like, oh, I didn't even know this existed, you know, so.
0: I mean, has the uh, has that changed you guys with, you know, the label and, like, what bands you're signing, or is it, are people, you know, aware? it's so aware. I mean, it's in every publication, sort of, that a lot of them have written about this, and now there's a lot more eyeballs on it, on you guys as a label. Yeah. There's... Is it more pressure? Or are there more things that you're thinking about? Or is it still, I like this band, let's do it? I mean, the only thing...
4: Yeah, I mean, that's my... I'm that, Yeah, I'm driving that all the way. Like, I like it, let's do it. Um, but, the, yeah, it was just the only thing, as it was growing and, like, our name was getting mentioned a lot, your name's getting mentioned a lot, it's like, a, I don't want to be, like, pigeonholed. Is that one thing? Cause it's not all we do. But as it gets more and more attention, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, they're that label that does that. And then, you know... No real care to anything
0: else. I mean, it's so like the hardcore label's my only concern. Yeah, I mean, like Vagrant, Equal Vision, all those things. Like they wanted to. No, we're not a hardcore label. We're not right. just not, like. Same thing with you guys. You're trying to branch branch out, and again, sure. everyone's trying not to be associated with the name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think. I
1: think no, I think Kevin. I think, Kevin, I think <laughs> Kevin touched on it best. It's like you branch out. I mean, because you choose to work with bands that you like or bands that you believe in, bands that you want to make happen. But also, yeah, you don't want to get you, you don't you don't want to get pigeonholed. You don't want to be like, oh. You know, you all—you want to be constantly, I would imagine, constantly challenging yourself as so a able to do something different and support just support bands that you care about. And so, you you know, you show all different sides of music rather than just being like, oh, yeah, this is where we started, so this is where we should stay, or we should stay, you know, stay in this because it's something that we're expected to do or something like that. Sure. Not to say that you shouldn't still support the community, but, yeah, it's definitely more about choosing the bands that you care about and that you want to help out regardless of style or whatever. So... When co- we put out, you know, put out that acapella hip-hop decides, record
4: next year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so the community decides who the community is. Exactly. So, I, mean, I mean, I definitely saw like a lot of support for it. I also saw kind of like a general pushback from you know all the bands that have been doing this for five, six, seven, eight years and like in this revival, per se. And it's like a lot of them that kind of got this going long since broken up, you know? And now this is getting all this attention. And it's like, mm-hmm. where were you in 2008 or 2009? So, um, world wasn't it. ready. <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah. <laughs>
0: I think too the, the the timing of the all the coverage. You know, I'd wake up and someone would tell, email me and be like, um, "Stereo Gum wrote about it." Like what? Or Pitchfork? Was it? You know, is was it just great timing with people um, that are older are in powerful positions at certain publications and that they loved it back when they were eighteen, or was it? The community itself sort of the you couldn't you could not write about it because of all the things that were happening. The shows were getting bigger, the bands were sounding better.
4: Yeah, I think it's like people who grew up liking braid and mineral and stuff were getting jobs at places like this. And like, oh yeah, I'll write about that. <laughs> like simple as that. Yeah. And we like hired a publicist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
0: sketchy. <laughs> do you feel the same way, Sean?
1: Yeah, I think it, I think that's certainly a part of it and i think the other aspect, i think i think it's you know both sides too like eventually a, a, if a music community or a music scene makes enough noise like there's got to be some attention drawn to it but yeah i mean definitely you know when you have people that that were a part of that growing up and they move on and they and they go like yeah like you said like you know positions of power or whatever that they're going to want to write about it and they're going to want to go back and help out the bands but yeah i think too like you know it never really went away it just kind of like found a new home in, like, basements and, you know, just kind of, like, reinvented itself and came back and made so much noise that people kind of had to pay attention to at least see what was going on.
0: I think bands weren't, you know, if the, these re- re- reunions and things happened three or four years ago, it would not have, it would have been different, I think. Norm, do you feel like, I mean, you you had two reunions, 06 and 13, did you feel any different the, the latest one? Were there younger kids? Were there people that have found out about you or...?
2: I I think, yeah, I mean, I think the vibe was kind of the same. I mean, I've always said, like, the reason why people remember our band is because our record label didn't go under. (laughs) (laughs) Because because there were so many other bands that were playing when we did whose record labels went under, and I'm sorry you've never heard of them because they're awesome, you know? (laughs) Um, But, like, but I do think, like, you know, I even feel like, even in in 2013, it still felt like, um, like, the people who were coming to, to our shows, I didn't totally get the vibe that they were the same people who were like really loving Top Shelf even. Like, or really loving Run For Cover or, or No Sleep or whatever. Like, it's I, hard for me to say for sure, but it was definitely like a mix of people and there were definitely a lot of younger people and I definitely met a lot of like 17 year olds and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Cause I mean, you know, the record that people really love came out in 1996. I don't think they were born. So that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? um, but I mean I don't know what the dividends were really from from what's happening here. I think what's happening here, it's interesting because like even when Texas the Reason was a band, there was a Midwestern scene. Sure. We were really like friends with them, obviously. Like the Promise Ring was like our brother band, and like, you know, we were super great friends with Cat and Jazz and like, you know, all the stuff that was happening over there, we saw each other as kindred spirits. <sighs> Um, obviously, you know, two touring together, doing splits and all that stuff. But at the same time, like, I remember on that last Promise Ring tour feeling like there was even a divide in the audience. Like, that the audience liked both bands, but half the audience had their allegiance towards one and half the audience had their allegiance towards the other, just a little bit more, you know? <laughs> and I think that there's still some residue of that where I don't know if people who are like, you know, I don't know who are really into Band A, or even into it over it, who played with us on on these shows. Like, if people are really here uh, into that band, or into what Evan's doing, were like dying or gagging for Texas of the Reason, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It it didn't, I felt like there was a similar sort of
0: divide, but that could be my imagination. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it'll get, um, do you think the word will ever? You know, have not a negative connotation, or people not wanting to be like, no, no, not me, not me. No, we're indie rock. Um, Do you think it'll ever get past that, or will always be? uh... Depends on who the publicist is.
5: You know, honestly, such an industry. Yeah, yeah. We We all are, and that's the funny part about it. It's like it it touches back on what we were just talking about earlier. Like, you know, uh, people get into positions of power where, you know, power. Think we, zero yeah but but now you can influence things like these are the things that you like like you want to propel the things that you like I mean whether whether a band identifies with the term or not I don't think it's important is it good music that's it that's it
0: I mean that's why I always felt the the music sort of can travel and it was a little lull and then it kind of came back and that aesthetic and that feeling and that scene um, it felt it felt real. I remember talking to you for the first time it was Wait a minute, what are you doing? How are you finding these bands? I mean, I had no idea. I was—I thought I was in the know, and these you guys were signing this amazing, these bands were coming up from sort of nowhere, um, which I thought was great.
5: But I, I also, I don't think it's like out of nowhere. There, was still, there were still scenes. Like you were talking about the Philadelphia scene, and I was like, oh my God, there's a whole bunch of bands that sound just like it did 10, 15 years earlier. For
2: sure.
5: But they were all thriving off one another. They were all playing music that... Sure, it harkens back to whatever it was, but that scene was there, like the Long Island scene, you know, in the late '90s, it's similar to that. I don't know.
0: So when are the when? Are the, so there'll be a revival of the revival soon, I guess. Probably. Yeah. I hope the mid two thousands doesn't happen. Uh, Emo squared. Yeah.
2: yeah. Wait, somebody just had the Screamo revival that was coming out. Right?
0: When's that's that coming? coming? That's next month. Does moment. anyone know <laughs> when that's coming? That was canceled. The are there uh you know, I mean I think the thing I always laugh too is every day now there's a premiere um for emo revival band. It's, it's like I just, do you guys are it just seems like every day there's another site or another thing doing a premiere. Are you guys Yeah is it is it working? Are there how are you seeing that sort a, of change with there's more exposure. There's every site's like, yes. I mean, they would not take a phone call about these bands prior, I and mean, now they're wanting to post about them. That's like
4: dead on. The other day, we premiered a song for one of our bands uh, through AB Club, which I think of as like a good fit for like the style of music. And there was, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going up at like 10 a.m. with this, cool, and getting everything all set. And then later that day, there's just like album premiere from. Song does everywhere. And I'm like, this is the overload. No one's listening to all of these. And then, yeah. uh, <laughs> of just overload. like, Yeah. I I wonder what the like, how effective it even is at
1: that point. Well, we've actually also heard from like the the guy who does our publicity that there's a lot of those sites that are scaling back on their premieres of new bands, which is gonna kind of reinvent the wheel as far as like trying to find you know how do how do you how to like you said the overload. Like eventually you hit capacity, and like you know when there's four four song premieres and two album streams in one day. It's like, you can't, it's become so much to try to digest and listen to.
4: I have time for like two things a day. Right? <laughs> so that's just, yeah.
2: More than that is too much. I mean, I think that there's sort of like a, an undue amount of, not pressure, but sort of like expectations from press anyway. Like, you get very limited returns on press depending on what it is. Like. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's a million premieres a day or whatever. Like generally speaking, unless people are really waiting for it, uh, it doesn't really catch fire. You get the years you get, and then you move on and try to build on that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not the same. It's like even when, um, like, I don't know, I feel like nothing is a big deal anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there you used can to put be all caps, like, but it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. No, I mean, there used to be things where it's like, holy shit, you got in spin. Like, now it's just like, whatever, someone <laughs> wrote about us, like, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... I'm trying to find out what the big deal is, and I'm not getting it. I don't know. What's a
4: big deal to you? Um, I mean, I'm psyched anytime Pitchfork covers anything, just because they're, like... Uh, NPR, too. NPR does a lot for us. I mean, there's some things where it's just like, yeah, that did what I expected, and there's some things where it's like, whoa, that really moved the dial. And, uh... Never had Rolling Stone look at anything of ours. But I'm like, I would imagine, like, yeah. But uh, I would imagine, like, I'm an know, of you. Uh,
1: as far as just.
4: Converge in any capacity. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it was, it was uh, I think, when we, when we did the Balance record and we started talking about premiere partners and stuff and ideal premiere partners and, you know, kind of going over that. And then, yeah, like, when we locked in Pitchfork for both premiere and an album stream, we're all just kind of like, whoa. That's crazy. Yeah, like that was definitely we all kind of took a step back and like we were all kind of like, yeah, ideal world that would be awesome and that's what we want and that's what we want for this band. But I think when it actually started happening, and then like you know, then obviously like Touche and you know like the, all those bands started getting picked up on those sites. I think it was certainly. It was definitely like you were saying earlier, like, oh, this they wrote about this? Like it's very
4: Positively? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They actually had good,
1: they didn't give it a point, they didn't just do like the, the jet review, where it's just, I'm sure you guys have seen it, where it's just the monkey peeing into his mouth. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Which is my probably my favorite music review of all time. <laughs> yeah, they thoughtfully wrote about and cared about the bands that they were writing about. And I think that was really interesting to see. But that's
2: a that's a thing. So Rolling Stone, like, I don't know if anybody from Rolling Stone's here. <laughs> no, I mean they've pretty much they've pretty much been like, you know, like at this point they're saying like they've fatigued with all the premieres and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much like if you're not if Neil Young's not doing a collab on the balance album, you know, you're not getting in Rolling Stone
1: yeah. basically. <laughs> I mean he we is, so we're that. fine.
0: <laughs> That's gonna be great. Um too, I think too you guys wanted to mention, you know, how college radio helped with this well, or how it sort of, you know. Right I mean, you definitely, I,
1: I, I don't know, Brian, do you wanna go first, or? No, no, you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I worked, I did uh, college radio at a company called Planetary, and uh, when we, when I kind of found out that this was happening, I was like, wow, I really wanna like, bring these bands in and start like, showing these programmers like, all of these bands, because like, this is the stuff that I loved growing up and it meant a lot to me, and hopefully like, I can kind of be that gateway for some of these other kids. But when we started working, I mean, when, when we started working with No Sleep or we started working with Count Your Lucky Stars, it was really hard because there was no comparison point. There was no uh, contemporary comparison point. Like you had younger programmers, and you'd be like, "Yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds like Captain Jazz, or it sounds like American Football," and they'd be like, "What? What's that?" So it was certainly interesting to see as far as like once. The sort of the term came back. I'll will say it. I'll say the word. I'll say email. Once email came back, <laughs> and you started seeing coverage in 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 major publications like Spin and Pitchfork and Stereogum and all those places, like it, it became a relevant thing for younger programmers. And you saw the uptick at college radio and like on the charts and stuff like that. Like I mean, when the Braid record went like top ten, that was awesome. That made me so happy. Like that was that was really cool to sit back and watch that and be like, cool. It's,
0: that's newer kids newer
1: Yeah, exactly. Kids Especially for a band like that that did <laughs> yeah. I mean did so much for me growing up and like but to see that kind of like support for them was just and like see like NPR all over it and stuff like that. But so yeah, I mean at least from a college radio perspective, that's how I've seen the culture and the climate change, just like much more attentiveness towards it and taking it as like a real thing rather than being like, oh, I don't know, this kind of <laughs> sounds boring. I'm just gonna pass on this. Yeah.
4: I mean, we had people like USA Today and like Entertainment Weekly and stuff hitting us, I'm like, this is what, why, what do you, who works here? What's going on? And I just thought, like, very weird fits, but, like, it was like, oh, you have, like, an audience of millions of people that you're going to, okay, sure.
2: <laughs> I should say that the editor of EntertainmentWeekly.com yes. recently was telling me how much he loves the hotelier. He loves the <laughs> I'm not joking. It's a great record. He went to the show
0: Webster. He was like, fucking amazing band. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all you got to do. You got to be in a band that. Ahead of the time, that you know people that will be older and then get in pop positions of power, and then power. you'll be popular later. Got it. All right. You just need, yeah, just need a time machine, in your are Yeah, Yeah, just need a time machine.
2: I think I, I'm really into the, calling it the term now, though. I'm, I'm like. Obsessed I think with we should it. just take.
1: I just think we should take the power back. Like take the word back, <laughs> take away the negative connotation.
2: <laughs> that's true. That's My true. God. No one's really done that. Nobody's actually. I mean, have they? Have there been a band that's been like? We're fucking emo and proud. <laughs> like, that band's gonna be huge, whoever that is.
1: I worry that that band would have the swoopy hair that we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes,
0: they would. <laughs> Feel free to ask any questions, you know, if you guys have it. Oh, there we go. Hi. Hi. Um, name um, and where are you from? Oh, my name is Kat Hamilton. I sing
6: in a band called Manic Pixie without the E. Um, okay, I'll write that down. Um, it's fun. Pull it
5: up on SoundCloud. Yeah. I won't play I'll for everybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the demo <laughs> submission part of
3: the
1: show. I have a question. Do you think that the emo revival correlates
0: with the mass saturation of EDM? Hmm. Whoa. Norm? <laughs> I, Norm <laughs> was a because uh, uh, I was a techno DJ. He was a techno DJ
5: <laughs> wow, let's get real.
2: I feel
4: like that would be like a like a broader pushback in just like rock music in general, like guitar-based music in general, more so than like just like our little yeah. niche here. But yeah, I I think like there's. I feel like there's better guitar-based records coming out now than there have been in recent years for sure. But, I, I, yeah.
2: I would say, like, the if, if there was a pushback in anything, if Emo Revival if I had to pin Emo Revival on anything, I would pin it on sort of disaffected ironic indie rock. And that being the thing that sort of people were like, I'm kind of over just not feeling anything and just being like, whatever, man. Like, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. maybe I kind of actually hurt when you know my partner broke up with me or like you know what i mean or maybe like i'm fuck i want to cry for a little bit you know like maybe maybe i am affected (laughs) i think that that's probably more of a a sort of cycle of rock that that you know i was personally because you know as much as i love sort of indie rock and you know i can be disaffected too you know i uh you know i feel (laughs) i'm human um, I think, I, I would say that that's probably more of that. I mean, as far as the EDM thing goes, I just think it's like, it's, uh, it, EDM kind of came up as sort of like the moment of just perfect congr- confluence between sort of youth culture, corporate sponsorships, and technology. You know, yep. like it just sort of, it was perfect for the, for the making. But uh, I, my, my secret hope is always that those people will kind of go backwards Again, and start buying, like, you know, not late 90s, early thousands House and Techno records. They're really good, and you should all check them out.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Question Yes, hello. Where are you, Pi? What's your name? Where are you from? Um, I'm just saying I'm from
6: um, WML, and the music director. Awesome. I have two questions. One of them is a little bit more possibly taboo tatt- than the other. Oh, boy. One, oh. <laughs> one
3: <laughs> That's not.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's been happening. Next, Next question. Next <laughs> question. Yeah, we're good.
0: Uh, our school our music That's awesome.
6: They hated the album, and everyone else hated the album. I think it made us hate the album because they hated it so
4: much and kind of told us to hate it. Well, their How do you feel about their that? internet per- personality is they put up pre-orders for a fork with their band name on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> take literally nothing seriously. From they sold four hundred forks in like a couple hours <laughs> for four hundred. No, for $4.20. Or, so, yeah. No, they made 420 of them available for $4. I can't even remember what it was. Really dumb. It was 420 related, basically. Yeah. Okay. Drugs are bad. Uh, so, yeah, I think they just wanted to make a record that people hated because... So you didn't
6: like, force them to make a record? No, I, I didn't even put it
4: out. They, they self-released it. I think it so. They were bad. <laughs> everyone you're just had to figure it out. Oh, you're the Overthinking evil label. it like way too much. They just they don't
0: care. They just they just do their thing Yeah, Kevin will be done in a second. Coming around.
4: Coming around. Okay, thank you. Um the other part of that,
0: math rock. I love math rock so much. But uh, I I feel like yeah, people like have oh, hold on, does everyone know the term math rock? Raise your hand if you know the term math rock. <laughs> That's good. That's a good number. All right. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, yeah, there's... Most bands probably just would go to,
4: like, indie in general uh, for that. But, I mean, there's definitely some bands that, like... I remember when, like, Terra Malos was getting pretty big. And, uh, you know, there's like a whole like west coast kind of like math rocky vibe we're like yeah I don't really care so you'd find bands like just throwing like this 7-4 part in there yeah we're like a math rock band and it's like dude no (laughs) so I kind of think that term is worse than emo like I don't want to be math
2: rock that's weird I don't know it's cooler (laughs)
1: Guys draw diagrams that we could see?
0: Yeah, the, if, <laughs> have you seen the Venn diagram? Oh, I will send I don't think that will to everybody. Everything. I think <laughs> you're
2: only math rock if, like, you go to the show and you're not sure where to bop your
0: head. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're bullshit. You're indie rock or you're emo. Get over it. <laughs> That's really funny. Any other questions? Oh, shit ton. Uh, in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Name and where you're from. I'm um, TJ. I'm from NYU, actually. Fuck yeah, welcome. And then also add on, I'd like to find out when you first heard about the term Twinkle Core. Yeah. Because I was mad just for a, yeah. I, was, <laughs> oh, I was mad for a good week trying to figure out where that came from. Is that like tweet? It's in Kinsella we trust again. Yeah. Like super into Midwest, right? The emo just the terms that we cannot come up with a good one. There is a, a person that I'm trying to get on the podcast, and he will not do it until I change the name of my site. <laughs> um, so there's how the negative comments. No sense of humor. Zero. <laughs> He's very serious. Um, so I, I guess uh, what's next and uh, when you first heard Twinkle Corp. <laughs> For So I'm like actually, we, we touched on you uh, at some point
4: way earlier in this discussion we were talking about like, uh, were you wary of like this getting big, and I definitely like I have concerns because I'm kind of like, I see this going in the same way it did from, like, 90s to 2000s, to like, early 2000s, and this catches on, major labels start trying to pump some money into it, and then you just get a heap of garbage again, and then we kind of go through Recycled a cycle, and then we have, like, emo revival revival in, like, like, 10 years or so, so it's, like, a, it's cyclical, I feel like I'm worried about it getting into a place that maybe, like, this community where it's coming from and where would... I don't even know if anyone knows where it wants to go or whatever, but I feel like it would go to a place that like isn't as authentic. And that's like definitely a worry of mine. But um uh yeah, actually that's probably the only one. Otherwise I'm just kinda like, yeah, do your thing, cool. It's like a self governing kind of thing. What do you think, Sean?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in this I'm kind of in the same boat as Kevin. Like you worry about that sort of cyclical thing coming back and again, like yeah, the outside interest peaks major label interest, they come in and try to really sort of like Gut the scene in a way, and pick up what they want, and kind of like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out for them. But then you have like a sort of like ruined scene of the, of, of people that have worked very, very hard to get where they are. And as far as like Twinklecore, that's that's brand new to me. I actually so have, brand new, it, yeah. brand new. Is,
0: I, I, I've heard about it. I was in a very long time ago with Brian. Well, um, Twinklecore.
5: I don't. I think you and I joked about it on I Am or something yeah, like probably. that. So. Does um, anyone use I am? That's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I
0: use yeah. I am every single day of my life.
5: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think the, the authenticity factor, I mean, that's always going to be there. Like, is there a future? Who knows who cares? Like, good bands release good music, and that's it's going to be what it is, and then you're going to have somebody that is a music director at a, at, at a radio station or, you know, writer X, and they're going to coin it as emo- cubed at that point or whatever it is um and it's it's going to be categories it's, as long as it's good music it's it's gonna it's gonna be that so i, I
2: do want to say one thing is that um we shouldn't pin too much on outside forces because i think we also have to understand that a lot of the bands that sort of make the music of a of a moment um usually are like early to mid-20s they're sort of like coming into their own as musicians they're just sort of like maybe even you know they're either playing power chords or moving beyond power chords for the first time they're listening to new records they're taking in new stuff and so what happens to most sort of like youth subculture music scenes isn't even necessarily that the major labels come in although that always happens it's that people in the bands also get older and start listening like Fleetwood Mac and like, you know, whatever it is that they've decided is cool or mature, but like not always. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking positive. I mean, mean, you know, they make the mature record, which, you know, sounds different depending on who the band is. And sometimes sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But people always tend to go, oh man, that's because they signed to that label. And it's like, it's not actually, it's because they started listening to other styles of music and wanted to play something that sounded like what they were listening to at that time. So, you know, I think like the scene would get sort of boring if all they, like you blew it, listened to was into it over it and world is a beautiful place. Like they're obviously listening to records outside of their scene and they're going to evolve into something else that you may or may not like.
1: Yeah, I guess it's hard to predict like, now what, you know, it, what it's gonna sound like because yeah, like you said, like, bands are gonna wanna push themselves and do different things and try different things stylistically. They're gonna have influences come in from different places so that's gonna change how those records are gonna sound. And I guess you're right, yeah, the audience is really gonna determine whether the, the success or failure of those types once we get to that point, yeah. whenever that happens
4: you write the record that you tell everyone that you hate. <laughs> I think
1: that's the direction they should go in just writing stuff that they don't.
0: <laughs> More questions? Hello, right there.
5: there a spark no i mean i i think you know the original the original topic of this panel was going to be like is there an emo revival and and obviously that's snowballed into whatever this is now but um <laughs> but uh you know it was always there i think is the the point that we were talking about in the beginning before we started talking with each other about this stuff i mean it was always there i don't think that there was necessarily spark you know it bands were existing they're like Algernon you I was know. just about Snowing. to bring them
4: up actually I was going to say there's like for every movement or whatever there's always sort of like a torchbearer or two and That's I have a point mm-hmm. I point to like for at least when I got like really really involved with this and uh, like bands like Snowing Street Smart Cyclist like same thing basically but <laughs> and like Algernon and Cal I was like wow those bands are really exciting to me the first time I heard that I was like whoa this is like bands <laughs> are doing this right now yep. and uh, you know, and I'm from Boston, so I just... it wasn't as much going there, but they played there. And so was, when the first time I saw any of those bands live, I was kind of blown away. And it occurred to me, like, there's... Those are kind of the bands getting all the attention in this right now, but, you know, there's a whole, like, New Brunswick, like, basement scene, and there's yep. tons of good bands just playing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that vein, and sort of... So there's these bigger bands that get... The attention for what they're doing, I feel like, but then there's like this whole other, under that umbrella, there's you know a ton of other bands doing the same thing. So I feel like there's a, I'd point to bands like that as like what maybe helped get this going.
0: I think that answers the question, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. yeah, cool. Any more questions on the left here? I'm, I'm
4: from WSU, and um, I don't know if you saw an article from BuzzFeed, but had the 23 it was unforgettable?
0: <laughs> <So coughs>
1: <laughs> was, like, in my life. Said, like,
0: and he life. wrote a letter to the writer. I wrote a letter. <laughs> do you have the letter? I reach out personally to these people and ex- ask them. First, ask them to come to an actual night where there's music playing. Um, um, and uh, third, uh, <laughs> do you just I, have a
1: manifesto that you send?
0: No, it's just I was. The, a lot of those come out where it's you know they mention all the bands. They mention the soup. Fine. They, everyone knows I get really angry about it, but. I I wasn't going to do it, but then I started reading, and it listed Linkin Park. It listed Papa Roach, and that's when I said, all right, this is uh, – don't name it that. Put it something else. So I just explained to her. I was like, try to do a little research. Talk to a copy editor. Talk to your boss before you – you know." I don't know if it was a community post on BuzzFeed. So, yes, uh, I posted about it. I talked about it. I was very surprised, Um, and unfortunately, it's BuzzFeed. so. I was That's very, like BuzzFeed's <laughs> like third emo post. And I thought Dan Osley like wrote, I thought he, he took it down. Like he wrote this whole thing about how, you know, BuzzFeed's pop punk thing and wrote this whole thing, and hopefully that solved it, but it didn't. So I think those will still come. I think there are people that find out about it and they have different views. Everyone comes from a different place. I came from, you know, more of the basement scene. Certain people come from the mall. Um, it's but fine I also think either. But until
2: people start to cop to it and people start, until people start to say yes. You really, really want that toy. band. yeah, you really want that but band. But how can you claim that Papa Roach is an emo? Norm.
1: He seemed pretty upset in some of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're
0: on
2: some Just philosophy saying. shit. Norm's smarter than <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's, it's funny kind of that you say <laughs> that, because I was totally about to drop some Marxist
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that, uh, I'm glad that uh, she felt good about doing it, but I hope that uh, people forget about it tomorrow. Or today, please. (laughs) Yes, follow up. Do you you think that those type of articles where it's on major publications like that that people read all the time, do you think those type of things that those lists are what fuels the negative connotation that you were saying? I don't want to be emo because. Yes, because it's associated with things like cutting, which I don't understand how that had anything to do with listening to music that's depressing. Um, I just like depressing music. It has nothing to do with killing yourself or anything like that. So those things, that's what's like, you know, people put. You know, gifts or like all I want to do is you know. It's like that's not that's not what this is. This is about music. It's not about um, so that's that negative part that I get really frustrated about. Yes, in the back um, or not middle rather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let everybody answer what I just want to say. I, I totally agree with you. I think the interesting thing, I had uh, Eric from Christy Front Drive. I met him 10 years ago, and I asked him, what, what, what did you listen to when you made the record? And I was expecting him to say, all these bands, like-minded bands, he's like, Buffalo Tom. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and bought every Buffalo Tom record at Generation Records down the street. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and, and the main, I've interviewed a bunch of bands, the main band they all say is Fugazi. You know, mm-hmm. the, That's the, if you want to s- take yep. a point, that's them, So, um, everyone can speak to that too, but that's a, I, I agree that it's not just about those bands and everyone's into different music. We all, I maybe only listen to this stuff, but, (laughs) 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 but I think there's other, you know, indie rock and stuff that those all play together, um, in the same bucket. What do you guys think? Well, touched on the whole, like,
4: not wanting to be pigeonholed thing earlier as a label. And I think. The label that you put out a record with has a lot to do with how it's perceived. But they're known for doing something and doing it well, and like that's what they do. Like in terms of like a genre or niche that they cater to. If they step outside the box, maybe uh, and put out something maybe a little different, but like tangentially kind of, you know, like uh, like you said, Arches of the Loaf isn't like too far off the DNA from like Mineral or whatever. But uh, you know. Just different labels doing those and uh, one of them might be known as like an emo label versus just like someone who like a merge records or something that just like they don't touch that they're known as like just like a classic like indie rock label so the and connotation isn't there i can totally vouch that it's totally awesome because
2: the fact that you're talking about archers it's a great thing to say when you're talking about labels because knapsack yeah, they're yes. on the same label so as archers of loaf and in the 90s they weren't like you know we sort of ran different i just met blair from knapsack like last year we were just like how have we not met each other all these years because people in the 90s didn't perceive knapsack the way they perceived texas threes and the way they perceived mineral or braid or bands that were on labels that were emo or hardcore or post-hardcore or whatever because they were on alias they got an indie rock pass um (laughs) but they were like doing the same stuff and were into the same stuff and they just happened to be on a different label so the label did kind of somehow define their existence in the 90s cool, any other
0: questions? on the left um, my name's Evelyn with the show goes on productions and I'm just wondering And
6: uh, speaking, I've worked with a lot of artists who don't like any labels at all
0: any labels, like even indie rock even math rock? <laughs>
5: <laughs> twinkle core twinkle, twinkle, twinkle core. core that's my favorite word <laughs>
0: John or Kevin, to the label side?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really, that's the hardest thing to do is have to, have to do that, like, put a tag on a band or a label because, like you're saying, from a marketing perspective, you kind of have to do that to explain to it to the outside, the outside world, especially if you're talking about, you know, having premieres on websites that maybe aren't, are going to reach people, like a new audience, and they don't know what to expect, but I guess, Probably the best way to do it is to kind of remove the genre tag altogether and just speak to the music itself, what the guitars sound like, what the drums sound like, and try to do your best to explain it that way, because then you're avoiding any of like the genre stigmas that you might come across. But yeah, I get what you're, the, the perspective that you have, Like where you have to sell these bands and present these bands and get people out to these shows. It's much harder for you if you're like with a band that doesn't want to kind of pigeonhole themselves or put themselves in a genre a hole or something like that. And or a band that's
3: actually crossover too.
1: Yeah.
4: It's, it, it's bound to happen. I think you can call two like, similar artists that are in the same vein that are m- more household we names. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Bands are
0: paleo. Yeah. you got to describe it somehow. <laughs>
4: yeah. There are four of them making music? Okay, but like, you need something more than that. You right. need to be able to describe the sound uh, and genres as like cookie cutters that can be, and lazy, way lazy. Uh, the stuff getting labeled emo currently is like, a lot of it is like, maybe needs a filter that's a little bit more. But anyway, that's like, I'm tired. We'll do another panel sometime about that. Uh, that's uh, I, I see that as like, totally useful, but you have to acknowledge that you're like, actively marginalizing uh, who you can talk to at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, If that's the conversation that you want to have with those people i mean emo is a kind of thing where i feel like for me personally and i think a lot of people maybe even in this room uh you might see that and actually click that or like take a longer look at that because you know like oh okay well you're saying this is this and i like this and whereas that might be a turn off to like the other nine people out of the ten it's like at least you're getting your message across to, like, who you want to, and I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's
5: about speaking to mass, you know? We're, we're, right now, we are in a really small niche, like, we are music lovers, everybody in this room, you're involved with music somehow, but it's when you have to speak to everybody else, and that's where it it can be useful, or it can work to your detriment, just like he's saying, you know, the nine out of ten people are like, ah, swoopy (laughs) hair,
2: twinkle core, you know? But I also think that, like, in marketing, and not just in sort of terms of record marketing but in marketing in general we use code words all the time to invoke certain things without saying it you know if we want to say that you know if we don't want to say oh they're a math rock band we say they're angular <laughs> <laughs> you know, <right>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yes. like you know funny. there are ways to kind of get around it a little bit um but yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> any other questions just a front
7: Cool. Nice. And, uh, I guess, um, pretty much from like, a writing standpoint, I'm pretty sure like a lot of you guys who work with different bands and work with different labels, you see a lot of different like reviews and all these like articles about your your bands and stuff that you kind of, I'm pretty sure, you hear the most ridiculous, most outlandish stuff like what you said before about the popular Yeah, that made me want to vomit. Like, <laughs> like, just, like,
0: <laughs> Martha Stewart also had an article which you <laughs> made. do not search or read if you want to have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? So, uh, I guess, uh, I'll uh, explain. Uh,
7: <laughs> like is there a way I'm for like other like like people would like press to kind of like work together with labels so that way, or like the bands and the, the labels and the press people can, can kind of use negative connotations to their advantage in a way where, okay, well this is a crappy article about these ba- awesome bands, why not try to like actually reach out to copy editors or do your homework per, per se.
4: Apparently we have Tom Mullen
0: policing emo in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a Google alert uh, for the last like ten years. I was just about to ask. You have to have Google. Alerts yeah, I have today. Google alerts <laughs> in the morning it, because I get the IM at work. You see this article? <laughs> and
5: it, it's like, and it was published like two minutes earlier. You know?
0: <laughs> You're like, what? Well, the thing is, is like, it, the, I would get, I had it for a long time, and for a certain period, it was crazy, and then. In 2010, I started to get articles where people were mentioning it again, where they were mentioning these bands, mentioning Braid, mentioning uh, Mineral, and I was like surprised because I thought everyone forgot about it, and I was only talking to myself. <laughs> and so that's what was really exciting is that 2010, you know, this, this band from Russia reached out to me and said, "Hey man, we're really into Mineral." I'm like, "How the hell did you find out about Mineral?" And that was Last FM. They found out about through Last FM, and then it. You know, started I started hearing more about that stuff. So I think the yes, I am trying to help explain. That's my life's mission um, to explain um, the, the 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 meaning behind it and the, the importance and how it is. A, it's a great music and it's continuing based on a lot of labels are still having success. Um, you know, quit your job and have a, a label. That's amazing. And these bands are part of that scene and that community. So I hope that that I hope that that overcomes everything that's being said that's for clicks. You know, it's for advertising. That's what a lot of those articles are. They just want clicks. Oh on, sorry. <laughs> it's not my panel, I'm the moderator shouldn't so talk. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I think that's spot on. Yeah. I was actually yeah. when I saw the the uh like Papa listicle thing, I was like sure they just included some like really offensively incorrect things here because they know that's gonna get like Right. Tens time. Yeah. and hundreds of thousands more clicks on it because of that. Click you bait. see this, man? Yeah. Like, what? Getting and a lot of just like,
1: <laughs> straight anger clicks. Like, that's just, yeah, it's just trolling. Tom right? Mullen clicks. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time you went back to that, they were like, yeah, we got him. You see this? We got him. <laughs> yeah, this
2: Manhattan based IP address. <laughs> 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 that's exact, like a
7: seventh grade Jock Bro's misinterpretation of email. Yeah. Because I remember when I started like, going to middle school, I just remember hearing people middle throw around school. the word email.
0: But it, w- it was, it, it was a, it, it's gone through a lot, and, it's, and I think there's great things about all those time periods. There's been great bands through it all. I just really hope that it goes back to the music every time, where it's versus what you wore, what you, you presented yourself, or how many bus tours you were on. It was the, the, the music, hopefully, comes through. Any other questions in the back yeah. or middle? Sean is the radio
1: guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. We we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, when when people always ask me what, like, the uh, when I was doing radio more full-time and people would always ask me what, like, the value of it was, it was just kind of an extension of the community and as far as, like, helping these bands, you know, maybe, like, hey, you're going to be doing a lot of interviews in your career if you're going to be in a band for a long haul, like, going to a college radio station and, like, doing those interviews, it's good practice. And you're, you know, if someone's like, a, I remember, this is so silly, but I remember... I really wanted to interview someone in cursive. And I reached out to Saddle Creek on a whim. And I was like, I'm never going to get an email. I'm never going to hear back. Never going to hear back. And like, they actually got back to me. I did the interview, and I was like floored that like that they cared enough to like... We were in like a know-nothing station in Rhode Island. I don't think our radius was more than like six miles. <laughs> but he took the time to like call in, and I think that just speaks a lot to it. But I mean, as far as college radio in general, I think, you know, uh, I, I think it's an important part of it, just as part of, like, the indie culture. It's, it's good that it's being better represented now than it ever has been in the past, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know when in the sort of first iteration or whatever, I, I can't speak to that, but at least now it seems, it seems to be something that programmers are becoming much more... Uh, open to before they would just be like oh it sounds like my chemical romance or like what what, they would always compare it to like the, the swoopy hair stuff that we always make jokes about but now they're seeing it as legitimate music that they can listen to and program and You know have these bands come in and play shows and and just you know It just kind of helps expand the community that much more I gotta
5: say though that that you know You have people like Ian at Pitchfork and Dan Ozzy, you know doing stuff for not noisy that helps legitimize it yeah. for the music directors. Yeah, you might exactly. just not know you, yeah. know, you you just don't know because you're younger and you didn't grow up doing it. But and I think that's fine. I think it's good. I like those guys, you know. Um, I mean, Ian can be a little scathing, but uh, that's that's his shtick. you know. Um, I think college radio. Like I started as a DJ at a station at Rutgers, and um, and I actually found online because I guess CMJ like posted some of their old. Uh, Issues like and and you can actually search like the playlist that we had and I found a playlist of mine from, 1999 and number one. That's number
3: grandpa.
5: Yeah, I am yeah, old. Number hey. one was Brave on on like my top thirty for the station for that week. It just happened to be that because it was like right around the uh, the movie music uh, the, like compilations. Yeah, yeah. The, so you know that's what we were playing at the station and and it was awesome to see that because. He just put out a Braid record this year, you know? It's like a new Braid record, and that is what... uh, I can't do math. I'm terrible. A while. Yeah, it was uh, old, (laughs) old. Um, But yeah, I think college radio is hugely important. I mean, it's where I got my start, and that's why I'm...
0: That's why I'm sitting here, too. Yeah. That was my excuse to meet bands. I would just ask the label, can I just go up to him and get an ID? Mm -hmm. That's all. That was my way to meet them, say hi, get to know them. Um, And uh, that was how you... You know, that's that was smart of them to do because you're going to have a fan for life if you take those five seconds for somebody. Mm-hmm. More questions while we have time? Yes, uh, down on the side on the right.
4: They're opening those tours. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I like into it over it. Just he's like the the poster boy for like opening for all these reunion tours right now. <laughs> Boxing and World is a beautiful place has played with like brand new. I guess that's I don't know that's not a reunion tour, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, you played with you. He opened <laughs> <laughs>
2: But we put out two new songs,
4: so what's up? You did. I I mean, I think also a lot of them are sort of going like, hmm, it seems like the the timing is right for this. Like, let's try this tour. They realized, wow, this was this far exceeded their expectations. And I think you'll see, like, a lot of them, with the exception of, like, maybe the jealous sound, I think they were like, this is done. But, like, a lot of them are going to put out, like, new music or have put out new music and, like, have seen that, this will do well if we do. It kind of rejuvenates them. And uh, and now they're like, wow, people care. We can actually live off this finally instead of just like playing basement show after basement show for 20 people and no one gives a fuck. <laughs> so it, it's kind of taken... There's a nostalgia aspect about it, like, no question. I think that nostalgia is more important to this genre than, like, m- most others. Um, but well,
2: uh, even lyrically, like... You know, to begin with, it, you know, we're just like pining over the days past. <laughs> <all that>. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's true. But, I mean, I think that, like, there's a, you know, as as a band that sort of, you know, went back last year and we played 21 shows. And it was, I think for us, it was sort of like just an interesting way to sort of play with the new scale of things. Because when when we broke up, I mean... You know, we were considered like a bigger band in the scene, but what did that mean? Like five hundred kids tops, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, we're playing, you know, fifteen hundred people or whatever, and we're just like, Wow, like there's a whole new world out there. It was just kind of like fun uh for us. But we had no sort of like you know, we didn't wanna like be a band, we didn't wanna like make this a thing again, like it was really just a we just want to, like, play these songs because we still love them. Uh, we still look like a band when we stand next <laughs> to each other. <laughs> you know, they, let's be real. Be real. There are some bands that don't, don't play nope. like bands anymore. Nope. <laughs> but, you know, we all still played music, and, like, it just – and it was also a way, I think, to connect with sort of, like, these newer people. Like, the, the way we found Into It Over It actually was because somebody was like, have you seen this guy? He did a, a set of acoustic Texas covers in England. It's on YouTube. Check it out. I was like, really? Wow! Holy shit! And like, I just emailed him. I was like, what's up? Um, like, <laughs> uh, so it was like, I, it was a great way to connect with him and, and Tidal Fight and like all these other new bands that we sort of like felt like really somehow still kindred
0: with. So, cool. More questions on the right back there. Hey, I'm Jesse. The whole show is online if you want to check it out. too. Uh,
1: but uh, th- th- the show they did at the <coughs> actual riot, thats not the, the after-show one. There were maybe a thousand people tops at a stage that could easily fit 5,000 plus. It was a little disheartening to see. And I'm just wondering: uh, so many of the uh, of the more established acts have gone through this whole nostalgia.
4: I don't think you can keep doing it unless you come out with new material. Mm-hmm. And that's gotta have some traction too. Because uh, you can come back and sort of, it's like tone deaf to what's going on right now. Or like you're not sounding like what people want you to sound like. And then you're in a worse off spot and it's sort of like, oh, we should have just stopped. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you can. What do you. I, like, for example, I work with Braid pretty closely and they did, you know, like a comeback tour, headliner. It's great. And then when they did those same markets on a follow-up run, like a half a year later, they saw that the same rooms weren't sold out or whatever. So it's just kind of like you know that's gonna you're gonna see a dim- a diminishing return on what you're doing if you're I mean you're playing the same exact thing. It's kind of like okay that was a cool a cool time and place,
0: but you I think it's really managing it. expectations too. Knowing yeah. your market, knowing when to play, like. You know, refused at a world tour. That was insane. It was insane. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they made a lot of money. And that's, that, that was it. It wasn't like they're coming around next week again. Um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sound proper to Zach and Alternative Press? Yeah. 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 Good job, uh, Randy. Squaring <laughs> Weekly. Where
0: else? Who else? Publications. <laughs> there we go. See? It's up everywhere. <laughs> More questions? Yes.
6: Uh, my name is Gloria Stiskin. I'm from Salem, Mass. I'm the music director at my school station. Just back on the radio thing, because like, it's CMJ. Yes, it is. Do you guys yes. think that there will continue to be like a college radio presence? Like, I feel like when I approach a band, I'm like, oh, I'm a music director. They're like, okay, do you have a blog? Like, can you write about a band? Can we like, wow. post it to Pitchfork or something? Like, that band's an know. asshole, by the way. Yeah, whoever those <laughs> are. Yeah, what band's this? <laughs>
0: I think you I, oh, sorry, I'm gonna, I. Did radio. I think you have to do more than just say you met them and you were going to talk about them in the car with a bunch of friends. You're going to put up your there's no, I used to put up a top 10 at the local record store of my metal records. I did a metal show as well. And I would put the top 10 up every week and put, you know, my radio station, the request line, and that was the way I was trying to do more than just play it for 500 watts radius around the middle of nowhere. So I think it's letting them know you're going to do X, Y, and Z, or, hey, if, you know, I'm going to go to this show, or can I fly, or whatever, whatever kids do now. Um, you know, if you, th- those type of things, I think, will help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know, I think that regardless of this scene just or... flying, <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone knows what that is. I know, but just feels weird, like, paper. <laughs> no, I think regardless of, of, of this scene or anything else, I think that the big thing about college radio is community. And the station... It's on the station to create their own value. Yep. It's it's not just okay. I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna get on air for an hour. I'm gonna play whatever songs I want, and then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move on. Like it's about getting together as a station and seeing like what else you guys can do, like and 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 using that as your springboard to build and make a name for like. Stations would always be like, well, the administration doesn't see us as anything. It's like okay, well, then that's on you guys to change that. Like how can you instead of sort of being like. You know, the, the weirdos in the basement that just play weird records, like, take a stand and be like, well, how, how can we be of value to our school? How can the school, the artists, like, just figure out new ways to do that. Like, for instance, we had um, on Saturday mornings when no one at the college was awake, we used to uh, have people on air that would talk about, like, community issues. And and would sit down and talk about stuff in the community that was like whatever whatever was going on in Bristol, Rhode Island that bothered them. Like they would have a platform for that, and that made us a valuable part of the community. And and I and I think yeah, just figuring out like what Thompson, what are you going to do for the for the artists? Like I don't think it's like the they're like, oh, they, I can't think of any band. It'd be like, oh, well, this is going to go up on Pitchfork or, like, but I, I think that if you're, you come across as a fan who's going to do an interview, who's going to help promote the show, give away tickets, give away CDs, like, do whatever you can to make sure their experience in your town or your area is going to be beneficial to them, whether they walk away with just you as a, a lifelong fan or, like, a few more people at the station or maybe even some people
0: in the community. Cool. More questions? Yes. Can I just make a comment on that? Questions. Sure. <laughs> follow directions um, I'm sorry. yes you can say I'm so sorry with, with that, home, the other here also radio, if something
6: is dying you can be sad about it or you can be I mean it sounds totally wrong to sad say about happy about it not happy but take it as an opportunity if everybody's laying low they just made your job of standing out way easier if you put in the work then you can make your station something really really great Someone here is like, yo, X station from way over here just got this, this, and this. They're doing really cool things. That's amazing. Like, why aren't we doing that? I bet you're going to do great after that. Like, you can set stuff up for yourself. If you take advantage of the fact that it's dying to really try some new things and get innovative, then you can make the college radio.
1: Also, you guys are at CMJ with a million other kindred spirits and music directors, so you should take time to, like, hang out with each other, talk to each other. Like, that's why uh, forums like Medium Rotation exists, so you guys have, like, a, a sounding board and a community to share ideas and kind of keep College Radio going. So it's kind of on you guys to, to make the effort to connect with each other and not even just, like, people who work in labels or promoters or whoever, but the people that are doing it, like, right now to, to make it something. And, and obviously there's enough people out there that care, otherwise you wouldn't be here at CMJ. So it's about finding those people and sharing those ideas and creating and creating a network. You know, like stations in in, in markets could be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna we all love this one band. Let's all try to do stuff for this one band while they're rolling through town. Like, let's be like a mini street team or whatever. Like, you guys are here, you might as well brainstorm and do something about it."
0: Cool. Well, that's all the time, unfortunately. Thank you for coming. Hey. Uh, this has all been recorded, so if you guys want to listen back, it'll be on the Watcher Female podcast. Follow us all, hang out, and uh, thanks guys for coming. Oh shit! Breakdown room. Breakdown room. Pick
3: up teams.
1: <laughs> Night. <laughs>